This is KGNU's Morning Magazine. It's Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, have you ever thought about joining a local board or commission, but not sure how it works? Well, Boulder County is making a push to demystify the process. As profits roll in, oil giants double down on fossil fuels. That story and more on the current edition of This Week in Water. And we'll go to our comment line and the listeners who share their thoughts about what they hear on KGNU. After that, we have the BBC News headlines. Then comes How on Earth. Today's science show features a discussion about your brain on music with Andre Viscontis, a neuroscientist, opera singer and director. At 9 a.m., we have another archival recording of the late British philosopher Alan Watts. Then at 9.30, Ginger Perry will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. But first, it's time for the local and regional headlines with KGNU's John Kellen. The National Weather Service has issued a winter weather advisory throughout the Denver metropolitan area beginning later on today. There's potential for a sizable winter storm moving over Colorado over the next 24 hours, Forecasters say it could give us from 3 to 6 inches of snow, most of it tonight into Wednesday. As of now, the prediction is that most of the snow will be in Denver. The storm is actually two systems combined. It could bring blustery winds with gusts up to 24 miles an hour. Snowfall should taper off by tomorrow morning, but could have a big impact on the Wednesday morning commute. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, is allocating $85 million toward helping small rural communities in Colorado access cleaner drinking water. KGNU's Benita Lee has more. The EPA funding announced Monday is part of President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law and will target man-made contaminants like PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. PFAS are chemicals found in many everyday products, from nonstick cookware to stain-resistant fabrics to firefighting foam. PFAS have leached into soil, air, and water and do not degrade easily in the environment. Researchers have found PFAS in people and animals around the world. According to a branch of the CDC that examines toxins, PFAS may lower people's immune systems, increase cholesterol levels, affect liver function, increase the risk of kidney and testicular cancer, and increase the risk of high blood pressure in pregnant women. Colorado EPA official Casey Becker says the new funds will help water providers invest in treatment technologies for at-risk communities. The EPA has also proposed designating two different PFAS as hazardous materials under its Superfund. This would hold polluters accountable for cleaning up PFAS-contaminated sites. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. The person charged with killing five people and wounding 17 others at the Club Q nightclub in Colorado Springs last year spent more than an hour at the club earlier on the night of the shooting. The Associated Press reports that the defense said the suspect left the club last November 19th, but later returned. Authorities had previously said the suspect first arrived just before the shooting began. The new detail came in a procedural hearing as the defense sought to delay a preliminary hearing on the case. The defense raised the possibility that a dispute may have touched off the shooting. The judge denied the request to delay and confirmed the scheduled hearing for next week. The suspect is facing more than 300 criminal counts, including murder and hate crimes. 
Meanwhile, the owners of Club Q announced on their Facebook page yesterday they plan to reopen this fall. They said the reopened club will have improved security and that the memories of the victims will always be honored. A Boulder County Sheriff's deputy is facing two counts of felony vehicular assault stemming from a car crash last summer. The Sheriff's Office said Deputy Daniel Pratt answered a call for backup at the Boulder County Fairgrounds in Longmont last August after a fight there involving dozens of people. The Sheriff's deputy drove on Highway 119 with his lights and siren on when he crashed into a car crossing the highway on Niwot Road. Two passengers in the car were treated for serious injuries. Pratt was not hurt. Deputy Pratt, who has been on leave without pay, has a scheduled court appearance this Friday. A laser technology company in Golden has agreed to pay more than $400,000 as part of a settlement over allegations that the company violated terms of the False Claims Act. KGNU's Alyssa Palazzo has more. The False Claims Act, or the Lincoln Law, holds companies that defraud government programs accountable. NASA and the U.S. Air Force awarded two small business innovation research program grants to Laser Tech in 2014-2015. The funds came with the agreement that all research and development subsidized by SBIR must occur domestically. Vescent Photonics allegedly subcontracted with foreign nationals outside of the U.S. to conduct development and research on the SBIR projects. According to the U.S. attorney Cole Finnegan, the SBIR program is, quote, intended to help support qualified small businesses in the United States. The Denver Central Library is partially reopening today after being closed for the last three weeks. According to the library's website, they've been closed because first-floor services and collections had to be relocated ahead of the final phase of a multi-year renovation project. Those renovations are part of the Elevate Denver bond approved by voters in 2017. The library will offer limited services and patrons must use a temporary entrance on the building's west side across from the Denver Art Museum. Central Library hours will be Monday through Thursday, 1 to 6 p.m., and Sundays from noon till 5 p.m. Louisville teenagers looking for a summer job can attend a jobs fair at Louisville's Recreation and Senior Center tomorrow. The jobs fair runs from 3 to 6 p.m. Applicants can meet hiring managers and interview at the fair. Available jobs for qualified candidates include lifeguard, sports referees, and summer camp aides. Pay begins at $14.11 an hour. In the weather for this Valentine's Day, a partly sunny day with high temperatures of 46 degrees in Boulder and Fort Collins, 50 degrees in Denver, and in Netherlands, a high temperature of 28 degrees. A winter weather advisory is in effect along the Front Range, with snowfall beginning late tonight. The National Weather Service says there's a 90% chance of precipitation with snow accumulation throughout the area from 3 to 6 inches. For KGNU, I'm John Kellen. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Local government board and commissions are oftentimes the most direct way to influence politics in your area. But civic engagement can sometimes be an intimidating process. Boulder County is trying to demystify all of this with a series of workshops. Joining me live is Belinda Hearn from the county's Office of People Engaged in Raising Leaders, or PEARL. Good morning. 
Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for joining me today. Let's start with the why question. Why should citizens care about getting involved in boards and commissions? Citizens should care because they are our greatest asset and everything that boards, commissions, governments do is about them. And they deserve an opportunity to have their voices not only just heard, but to apply the things that they wish to see happen in their community. And when you're speaking with people trying to recruit them onto boards, what are some of the most common questions that you encounter? Some of the most common questions that I encounter is the process of actually getting and participating on a board. How do I get there? How long does it take? Is my voice really going to be heard? Um, Do I really have a chance of serving? And what is the time commitment more or less on some of these boards? Is there a range or is it fairly uniform? Usually most boards have a time commitment of a couple of hours a month. Usually right now, um, it's about 50-50 on in-person and online because of COVID. Um, A lot of people spend uh, their time meeting online and then they still have activities that the boards do out in the community or for whatever purpose to get the job done. And approximately how many boards and commissions does Boulder County have? Oh my gosh. Boulder County has over 300 boards and commissions at the last time I counted. So it's a lot. And it's growing all the time. And that may not even be that final count number, but uh, it's a lot. (laughs) So if you're somebody who wants to influence politics directly in your area and maybe wants to get on an influential board or commission, what would you suggest? I would suggest, first of all, knowing your why. Um, it's very important to know your why. Some people get on boards because they do, they want to influence policy change, not just politics. Um, people want to want to influence what's going on in their communities. I would just say really, really know your why, and that leads into something great that we're doing this year with our boards and commissions training. We're actually doing strength finders, and strength finders have historically been used for people finding jobs, careers, or things like that. But this time, we're doing it for folks in the community so they can see where they really want to be civically engaged. It's no reason to serve on a board such as Women's Wilderness when you know your interest really lies in policy around child health care. So it just, the Strength Finders is just going to be another tool to help someone identify where they may be more likely to serve and where they may be more likely to influence change. And the strength finding process, is this part of just an initial contact where, you know, you're screening people who are coming in and you direct them towards this evaluation? cultural brokering and things of that sort on getting on the boards. We're going to impart this this time. So we're going to have a couple of people from Workforce Boulder County come in. Everybody is going to be given access to their own individual strength finders, the second class. And then that final class, when we come back, we're going to break it all apart and go through it and kind of see where you landed, where were your interests, where are your strengths, and how you can take that and apply as you search to find out what board or committee you want to serve on. And part of this this current push uh, by people engaged in raising leaders at Boulder County is to include people who a lot of times either are unable to serve on boards, don't have time to serve on boards, or have been underrepresented in policy decision-making uh, spaces. What are some of the things that Boulder County is doing to be able to become more inclusive in these spaces? I think a lot of things that Boulder County, so Pearl, People Engaged in Raising Leader is 
up under CAP, Community Action Partners. So we have a whole plethora of different programs such as PI, cultural brokering, and then we have people engaged with raising leaders. And I think in Boulder County, we're doing a lot of forward thinking and really getting people involved, people who are others. Look at me, I'm an African-American female in this landscape, and I kind of know what goes on and what it feels like to not be included. So we are seeking folks who have not traditionally served. If we have a room and there's someone not there, the next time we're going back to bring them in, we're looking at policies and seeing how they can be influenced or changed directly by the people that those policies have restricted and held from being in those spaces. So I think it's really unique and, and something really great that I've been able to do for the last few years being in this role has been to go back and get all the others, whether that's people of color, people in poverty, LGBTQ, um, just Anytime I'm in a room and it's only one or two faces that look the same, I'm going back to get others because, as we all know, diversity influences change in policies. It influences ideas. It cultivates creativity. It's just um, we have this big, beautiful world, so why not have this big, beautiful inclusion when we make these policies and rules? I'm speaking with Belinda Hearn of the of Boulder County. She's involved with the People Engaged in Raising Leaders initiative. This uh, initiative is holding a series of workshops. Can you let listeners know if they'd like to get involved, where they can find more information? Yes, please. If you want to get involved with People Engaged in Raising Leaders, please go to the Boulder County website. You can email me director, directly, and my email is b. Hearn, H-E-A-R-N, at bouldercounty.org. Um, reach out. Go to Boulder County webpage. You can see CAP. You can see everything that's going on in our department. And we would love to talk to you. And if I could just put this little plug in, even if you're not seeking to serve on a board or influence policy, why not be able to understand how to go into a city hall meeting or a city council meeting and have a conversation or go to your child's school and be able to influence what's going on there? It's about giving people tools that are useful and that really can enlighten and move and change the way we all work and think about inclusive uh, policies. Belinda Hearn of Pearl, Boulder County's Pearl Initiative. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Time now for the latest edition of This Week in Water with Jamie Sudler and Franny Halperin. How the Super Bowl could power your next flight. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Chile has been suffering devastating wildfires this month. So far, nearly one million acres have burned, 26 people have died, thousands have been injured, and many left homeless. Central Chile has been plagued by a 13-year mega drought, and its interior minister suggested the fires should serve as a wake-up call about the climate emergency. Yet in the midst of another global warming-induced disaster, some big oil companies announced they were retreating from climate goals that they had set, even while they made record profits last year. BP said it was reducing its pledge to limit their operations' effects on climate change and, as the news site Vox writes, doubling down on fossil fuels. 
The company was the first to announce plans to cut emissions up to 40% by the end of this decade, but now has scaled that back to as little as 20%. ExxonMobil is now abandoning its heavily publicized efforts to make environmentally safe fuels from algae, and despite doubling its profits in 2022, Shell will reduce its investment in renewables and other carbon reduction strategies to less than half of what it invests in oil and gas. According to the UN, fossil fuels, including coal, oil and gas, are by far the biggest contributor to climate change, accounting for more than 75% of global greenhouse gas emissions. The interest in deep sea mining for minerals is growing rapidly because of the demand for metals such as copper, cobalt, and gold, among others, to be used in batteries and electronics. Some companies have plans to use large robots to scrape the ocean floor, similar to strip mining on land, that could affect not only the seabed, but also much more of the marine environment with plumes of sediment and harmful noise. The Canadian government announced last week that it would not allow seabed mining in its waters without rigorous regulations, and that it will urge that new rules be put in place in international waters. There's been much opposition to deep-sea mining, citing a lack of research about its potential harm. Species and deep ecosystems have adapted to their conditions and are extremely vulnerable to human interference. Scientists have warned that sediment plumes from deep-sea mining might spread for hundreds of miles, exposing marine life to toxins. In addition to Canada, France, Germany, Spain, New Zealand, Costa Rica, and Chile have called for a moratorium, or at least a pause, on deep-sea mining. As global temperatures rise, glaciers around the planet are melting and creating lakes where there was once ice. The massive pools are kept in place by dams of ice and rock, but prolonged high temperatures or an abrupt heat wave could cause them to rupture, sending rock, ice, and water cascading downhill. According to a new study led by Newcastle University, these so-called glacial lake outburst floods threaten 15 million people worldwide, where hydroplants, buildings, roads, and homes downstream could be crushed with little warning to prepare. The number of glacial lakes has grown rapidly since 1990 because of climate change, as has the number of people living in harm's way. The study found that more than half of vulnerable populations are in just four countries, India, Pakistan, Peru, and China. And while mountainous areas in Asia had the highest potential for flood impacts, the authors say Peru and Bolivia are areas of concern because of a lack of research in those countries. And finally, fans who attended this year's Super Bowl will have chowed down a lot of chicken wings, burgers, and french fries. And while that greasy food may not do much for wastelines, the oil it's cooked in won't go to waste, it could be fuel for future airline flights. As Fast Company reports, Finnish refiner Neste collected the leftover fryer oil from a pregame tailgate party with more than 50 local food vendors and will transform it into so-called sustainable aviation fuel, or SAF. 
SAF is made from oils, greases, and fats, as well as municipal waste and non-food crops. Current aircraft can blend 50% SAF and jet fuel without modifications, resulting in about an 80% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. The estimated 1,000 gallons of cooking oil used to feed the fans at the Super Bowl will become feed stock for Neste's refining operations. After the game, the oil will travel by ship to their refineries in Finland, the Netherlands, or Singapore to be used at one of those airports or return to the U.S., where it's currently supplying carriers at San Francisco International, including Alaska, Delta, and United Airlines. SAF is expensive to produce, so only accounts for less than 1% of aviation fuel. But that number could take off as the industry moves to meet its net zero emission goals by 2050. That's it for This Week in Water, which is sponsored today by our contributary 12-year-old Ainsley Cronin of Colorado. Ainsley said, I support H2O Radio because the stories help me connect with nature, the planet, and our precious water resource. Thanks for listening, Ainsley. See you next week. We now check in with KGNU's comment line and the listeners who share their thoughts about what they hear on KGNU. Hey, I'm listening to uh, people rehashing the news over the last, uh, I don't know, four or five years. And uh, it's uh, been found to be misinformation. And um, how about you guys play some music or play some uh, something or some people maybe that are pro-American. Um, we've had enough of the anti-American, the globalist, leftist, revolutionary, false narrative, and um, it's kind of old. Absolute anti-American, leftist, revolutionary, disgusting dribble. Give us the old uh, positive American twist, if you, you can, if you can find that in yourself. Hi. This is Evan Rabbits. On October 7th, Boulder Chamber of Commerce President John Kerr was on KGNU. I called in about how former city manager Jane Brodigan admitted to city council that she worked behind council's back with the Chamber of Commerce to get East Boulder declared a so-called opportunity zone, which subsidizes development and gentrification as part of the Trump tax cuts for the wealthy. John actually claimed this would result in more affordable housing. This is laughable, and city council's belated actions to delay and mitigate the damage proves it. A few weeks ago, John sent his new employee, former state representative Jonathan Singer, to tell city council that the chamber wanted to partner with the city for more affordable housing. And Tayer was on KGNU again a couple of days ago. It seems the chamber is on a charm offensive to cover up what they did. Before posing as our housing pal, the chamber should apologize for manipulating the city manager secretly. It could lobby Congress to repeal the Opportunity Zone legislation or it could create a fund to subsidize rent in East Boulder to counter the gentrification that the Opportunity Zone brings. 
This is Evan Rabbits. Hello, I want to just thank uh, the team for an excellent interview program um, on Thursday evening, 6 to 7 p.m., uh, February 9th. Um, the gentleman uh, conducting the interview of a CEO of a Denver nonprofit, uh, incredibly articulate, empathetic, and, and skillful, knowledgeable, just a superb interview. Um, I didn't catch uh, his name, but move over, Ryan Warner. You got a, you got a, a great team member there, so I just wanted to thank you for that program. Hi, I'm a listener member and calling about the sports show on KGNU that we've had, I think, for a couple of years now. I think the host name is Jimmy Sufas. I only catch it sometimes, um, but I've, in general, found it to be kind of weak for what I would expect from um, from KGNU. Um, I'm a big fan of Dave Zirin and how he he covers the the power and social dimensions of this of sports and the human dimensions, and would love to see something like that on KGNU. Today, um, on uh, Friday, the, sh- the the show was kind of particularly disappointing is about the upcoming Super Bowl, but all he talked about was the food that people might serve at their parties and um, offered his opinions on why food prices are high, which is a complicated issue that other programs on KGNU have covered covered um, very effectively, but um, all he did was kind of spout the corporate media ideas about why food prices are high. So uh, that seems like an area outside of his expertise and one that maybe he didn't need to offer his opinion or take his time to discuss. So I'm in general becoming more disappointed with that sports show and hope that you might think of doing something different. Thanks. If you'd like to make a comment on something you heard on KGNU, you can leave a message at our listener comment line at 303-447-9911. We play the messages back on Tuesday mornings at 825. That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. Thanks to John Kellen, Alyssa Palazzo, Benita Lee, interviewee Belinda Hearn, Jamie Sudler, and Franny Halperin for their contributions to today's program. Thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Shannon Young. Stay tuned for the headlines from the BBC, and after that, How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. BBC News with Julie Candler. Opposition politicians in India have criticised searches by tax officers of the BBC's bureaus in Delhi and Mumbai. A leader of the main opposition Congress party tweeted that the move reeked of desperation. The governing BJP has labelled the BBC the most corrupt corporation in the world. A UN delegation is in northwest Syria for the first time since the earthquake struck more than a week ago. The multi-agency mission crossed by land from Turkey. The UN has admitted being too slow to get aid into rebel-held areas. The former Republican governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, has announced she will run to become president of the United States. She's the first person to challenge Donald Trump for the party's nomination. 
The government of Moldova has ordered that a football match on Thursday between a local team and partisan Belgrade of Serbia must be played without fans present. It comes a day after Moldova's president accused Russia of plotting to overthrow her government using Serbian infiltrators. The World Health Organization is to hold an emergency meeting on the outbreak of the Marburg virus in Equatorial Guinea. Nine people have died from the hemorrhagic fever. Air India is to buy 250 jets from the European plane maker Airbus and 220 from Airbus's rival America's Boeing. In total, it's the largest aircraft purchase in commercial aviation history. South African police say they believe the killing of the rapper AKA on Saturday was an assassination. The police commissioner of KwaZulu-Natal province said the gunman had approached from behind and shot him at close range. A legendary British crown jewel claimed by India, the Koh-i-Noor, will not feature in the coronation of King Charles. Queen Consort Camilla will instead wear a resized crown used by Queen Mary in 1911. Welcome back to News Hour. Now, a story from Germany that's made global headlines. A theatre critic was smeared with dog feces by the chief choreographer. Support comes of from the Hanover City Club in Boulder, offering lunch, private offices, and shared workspaces, along with space for special events. More information at HighlandCityClub.com. Support comes from the Longmont Community Foundation, working to improve the lives of others by utilizing their grant programs, scholarships, and community partnerships. More information can be found at longmontfoundation.org. For decades, teachers looked up to them. She was like a rock star walking into that building. If Beyonce came and gave a private concert in my district, it would not have been a bigger deal for many of my teachers. But the reading gurus had it wrong. What I'm haunted by is when it wasn't working, I blamed it on children. On the next Reveal. Tuesday afternoon at 4 on KGNU. So what kind of science story should I do? I'm Susan Moran. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Coming up, we'll discuss your brain on music. That is, how singing and listening to music affects our brain. With Dr. Indre Viscontis. She's a cognitive neuroscientist at the University of San Francisco and an opera singer and director. begin with a couple of science headlines. So, what kind of science story should I do? Whatever you like. I have no preference. Okay, well, how about something in animal science? We had something last week on animals. People might be animaled out. Not me necessarily, but you know, it's totally 